Welcome to Tire Tracks, a Banyan Technology podcast driving the logistics industry. And now your host, Patrick Escolas. Hey everybody, it's Patrick Escolas with another Banyan Tire Tracks podcast. We're here at Connect 23. We're here with Don Salvucci, Favier, Green Screens. She was our keynote speaker, and we're very happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. Psyched to be here. Yeah, thank you not only for speaking to everybody and also for taking the time to talk to a little old, you know, shiny head me. So I... <laughs> it's so, a trend. Yeah, there's, there's a lot it, of shiny heads in this industry. Yeah, yeah. it's all by choice, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's a really creative decision to do with I might hair. have to join the club. Save a lot of money on shampoo, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, in a quick elevator pitch, because I know I talked with Matt, and depending on how we release this, someone might have heard of green screens. But what's green screens to you? What someone says, what is that? Are you making green doors or what's that you know yeah we make video production no i'm just kidding we don't we do predictive pricing for the truckload market so it's it's spot pricing we use machine learning data science mm-hmm. to use vast amounts of data 20 billion in our network i was gonna say right yeah now. defined past that's a yeah, lot so yeah. we have 20 billion that's about 13 million transactions is what we're using today in our network how far back does that 13 million spread so it's really about 18 months worth of okay. data is what that 20 billion is right now and it's on a rolling basis right so every time we bring on a customer they submit one to four years of their data to us and we use that data to train our model gotcha but what's used pretty consistently is 12 to 18 months of data is is what Awesome. And before you were a CEO with Green Screens, were you into AI and robots or where, where you come from? I do not have an AI background. I have a freight okay. background. So okay. I have been in the freight industry for 33 years. Yes, I, right. I was six when yeah, I started. I yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's what I like to tell people. Yeah, but I believe it. Tw- thank you. 20 of those years was spent in the TMS space. So okay. I have been in product strategy, global strategy, all in TMS for various vendors. Most recently was the founder of a TMS company that I departed seven years ago. And that's when I was introduced to green screen. So my background is tech, is freight technology specifically, but this is my first go round with AI. And it Mm -hmm. was very exciting to me when I was presented with this opportunity. And when you came into contact with green screens, where were they then? Was it just an idea or was it like, Hey, we can do some pretty cool stuff. We don't know what we're doing with it. What did that look like? It was really kind of post hypothesis. I'll say Uh, post hypothesis, a little bit of product. We had three early adopters on board, beta customers that were working with us to prove out the hypothesis, to develop the algorithms and the user experience around it. So that was in, the company started in February 2020. By the time I joined in the summer of 2020, we had already engaged with those three beta customers, NFI, Gulf Relay Logistics, RDS, a company called Cargo that is actually no longer in business anymore. We're among those customers. And I came on board in the summer with the primary goal of getting to MVP product, right? Product market fit, MVP product, and really the messaging, the pricing, the go-to-market strategy. Yeah. And with what is the, I mean, what was the, not just because it was cool and you could do it, where was the gap in the market that green screens is supposed to support? Yeah. Or add value? Yeah. I mean, really the hypothesis was that for the freight brokerage market specifically and in 2020, the tools that were available were inadequate. Most of the tools that were on the market then and even still today Mm -hmm. are using historical averages. They're looking at what has happened in the past, right? Three days, seven days, 30 days. But as we know, Mm -hmm. with a market that moves as fast as our market does, past performance is not 
not necessarily an indicator of future performance. So there was really nothing in the market that was using AI, data science, machine learning to predict forward. Not what has happened, but what will happen. And what did that amount to as far as if I was using that other source or it was looking back, what does that mean for when I use that moving forward? So there's a couple different things there. Number one, what we are able to do with the AI and the machine learning is to take your data as a broker mm-hmm. and train that model about the way your business specifically buys, right? Okay. So broker A and broker B are going to have very different buying power and buying behaviors in the market. And right. Size may not necessarily be a determining factor either. So broker A, who may be a many hundred million dollar revenue business, Mm -hmm. and broker B, who may be much smaller, in some markets, broker B might actually be able to buy better than broker A because of their carrier mix, because of their expertise, an equipment specialization, flatbed reefer, whatever the case may be. So it's not necessarily a size indicator, but it is what is your freight mix? What are your shipper relationships? What are your carrier relationships? What is your buying strategy? Okay. And that's what we use your data to train the model of how you buy specifically. So that's the number one difference because the older tools were really a market rate, which is great. They're useful. They're great. But it is right. overall an average. What is the market doing? But that doesn't mean it's that relevant it, to you. To you. You may not be able to buy at that rate. So that's number one. And the other thing, though, is because we're able to come up with these very prescriptive models that are specific to how you buy, it comes down to a measure of accuracy. How accurate is that rate that you assume you're going to be able to buy at compared to what you actually book at? And we've done a lot of analysis with our customers that the difference between a 7% margin of error, which right now our customers, on average, across all 125 of our customers, we are at about a 7% 6.7, if you believe, Matt. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go. About 7, 6.7, yeah. yes, a margin of error versus yeah. some of our other customers have benchmarked other sources okay. at an 18 to 22% margin of error. And we have done the analysis that says... If you're assuming that you're going to buy freight at a price and then you're pricing that to your customer on a markup basis, Mm -hmm. the difference between a 7% margin of error and an 18% margin of error could be 43% margin. Really? Yes. That's crazy. Isn't it? That is. So, I mean, that's reason enough to look into green screens there. Um, But what are some of the reasons that you might, because obviously you're going to tell me all the reasons why someone should. What are the biggest obstacles or hurdles you have to get someone to either to buy into the idea of AI or specifically green screens itself I within think, the, the, the truckload world. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge, and I talked a little bit about it in the keynote today, and it's not just with AI, I think it's with any digital transformation project is mm-hmm. change management. Okay, It's really needing to have that buy-in at the top and middle level of the organization and people who are able to drive that change in mindset mm-hmm. throughout the organization. And my friend Bart DeMonk, who used to be with Gartner, then P44, you know, he recently recently did an article in Forbes where he talked about the fact that the biggest reason for failed digital transformations is a lack of change management and that we all need to really start thinking differently about technology and trusting the data, mm-hmm. you know, not just tribal knowledge and gut feel, but trusting what the data tells you. And I think you had also said, I like this line, AI will not replace you, but a human using AI might. And so, you know, like if it's out there, 
you should be using it or your competition is? Is that kind of what that's talking about? Or? Well, I think we're getting there. Right? As okay. I said in my presentation earlier today, I think we are still in, let's say, the early majority phase of adoption of AI technologies. Now, certain parts of our industry, like warehousing, for example, has led us for a long time yeah. in robotics and things like that. But if we talk about freight specifically, I think we're really in the or- early majority. But I think it is quickly becoming a haves versus have-nots from a technology perspective. Okay. And we were created as a company really on the hypothesis that, you know, competitiveness is huge. And back in 2020, 2021, when we first came to be, Mm -hmm. it was the very big digital freight brokerages that had a lot of VC money. They were investing a ton in business intelligence and pricing intelligence and connectivity to shippers, which immediately put the majority of the other now 18,000 brokers in the market at a competitive disadvantage because they didn't have the capital or the expertise to invest in developing that in-house, right? So we were really gotcha. about bringing that level of technology, connectivity, data intelligence to the masses to mm-hmm. level that competitive playing field. Now, today, competitiveness is still important, but given the market conditions today, very different yeah. than when we first came into the market. Well, it's, yes. it's, yeah, it's every at-bat counts for a broker. Every yeah. opportunity to quote counts. And you don't necessarily need to be the broker who comes in with the lowest price, but often you just need to be the first one in with a reasonable price. So how do we enable our customers to maximize their bidding opportunities and do so more quickly? Yeah, like I said, I think that's a great point is that it doesn't always have to be the cheapest, but if you get it there, get it to them quickly so they can make a faster decision, that might be the key there. Something else you had had topped on, which I thought was really interesting, you know, the idea of using technology obviously isn't anything new, but AI and kind of robots get thrown in there. When was the first robot? started using that. I think you had that. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. So I think it was called Unimate. It was the first robot. It was invented in 1954 and it was first deployed in a GM plant in 1961. So really, even though it looks a lot different than what we're doing now with it, none of this is new. It's just with a different medium. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the adoption curve has really accelerated. You know, again, talking to warehouse automation, that goes back probably over the last 20 years. We've seen a lot of that. But I think for more AI machine learning based technology, so forget about robotics, even forget about some of the generative AI, right? Like okay. chat GPT and yeah. the automated phone systems, right? That dreaded, you I was know, a BDR. I hated yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I hated right? them so much. Right? I mean, that stuff has been around for a while, but when we talk specifically about some of the deep learning and the machine learning and neural networks, that is all relatively up and coming, okay. right? And kind of early adoption on that. And in with that, you kind of talked on a lot of things. And one of the things that it's kind of an alphabet soup, you've got AI, you've got BI and all these, where, which of those, what does it mean? And how, what different things are used within green screens to get it? Cause I assume it's not just one thing. So we are purely AI based, okay. but there's different flavors. So we are AI machine learning specifically. So if you look at the category of AI under AI, you've got, you know, deep learning, you've got machine learning, you've got robotics, you've got generative AI which again is like the chat GPTs or the natural language processing, those types of things. The specific branch of AI that we use in green screens is category called machine learning. And in machine learning, there's also other subcategories like neural networks and deep learning. Gotcha. So we are purely machine learning based today and we are employing, you know, deep learning as well as some more traditional machine learning techniques there. And without getting too in depth, what defines machine learning versus the others? Machine learning is really about using data to learn the way that a human would learn, right? So we'll, again, take the process of a freight broker 
pricing a load. Okay. He or she is going to gather as much data as they can, their historical data, what the market is doing, what capacity looks like, right? So we heard Brent talk about OTRI is one of the indicators that he looks like yeah. at and things like that. So you may have somebody who, let's say, moderate level of experience, they're going to go through some mental g- gymnastics and they're going to gather up as much data as they can and they're going to come up with what they think they're going to be able to buy at. Now, the more experience math. that... It, it right? does not math, sound math fun. Is yeah. hard. <laughs> it's hard. But the more experience that individual has... Yeah. the better and faster their decision-making process becomes. Uh, right? I'm starting to see you're starting where you're to going see, here. Right? Yeah. So with machine learning, it essentially simulates the intelligence of a human. It's using data, but a lot more data than a human could ever possibly absorb in milliseconds, right? Okay. So while it might take that broker, I don't know, 20 minutes, an hour, maybe more, right, to come up and price a lane or a few lanes, the AI is doing it in milliseconds. and Between the screen refreshes. Yeah. Yep. And the more data it gets and the more time it has to evaluate that data, the smarter it gets. That's awesome. So obviously this is going to have a big impact. What do you see as a short-term impact of this on the marketplace? And three, five years from now, what does that look like? Yeah, I think, you know, in our space, in pricing specifically, I think, as I said, this is becoming a have versus a have not. I think that you're going to see a lot of companies that have embraced this more dynamic, predictive pricing are going to start outperforming those who don't have it, right? Those that are still relying on a post and pray mentality or relying on history. And this is what happened two weeks ago, but that's not necessarily relevant, especially, again, in a very fast-moving market. So I think it is very quickly going to become a have versus a have not in the area of pricing. In other areas of the supply chain, I think, you know, we're probably still five to 10 years away from mainstream wide adoption of AI technology in general, again, outside of warehouse automation. And, Is that and just because the there's stuff. gaps in the tech or not the best application? I think it's an openness and again, a change in mindset. I think when we first came to market uh, in 2020, one of the biggest challenges or two big challenges we had was a people being unwilling to share their data and understanding that the aggregated data has more power for everybody. Those silos have been breaking down. And I think it's, again, that change management of something new and something maybe that they don't understand. So, you know, when we're selling our products into the market, I would say more than half of our sale is about education, right? And educating the market on what this is and why it's different and why it's more important. It's new. So it makes sense that education is a big piece of that. Yeah. Because you got to let them know what's out there before you let them this is why you need it too. And with that, how would someone, because as we talked about, green screens is this great piece, probably use it with other, how would you best leverage it if I'm a broker? I'm saying, I want that. How do I best make that work for me? Yeah. So, I mean, look, I think certainly within the TMS and we're integrated with Banyan as well as several other TMSs. Great and, plug. Yeah. Of course, yeah. If the if the sign and you know Jersey wasn't enough, yes. yes. So I think for us, though, our goal is we want our users to be operating within their existing workflow in okay. the systems that they use every day. We have a great user experience. We're mm-hmm. very proud of our user experience. But no green screens, TMS coming around. The no corner. green screens, TMS. Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. not. There's enough. Why yeah. in God's name would anybody create Bain another? It's already TMS, perfect. Right? Uh, no. Exactly. <laughs> but no, we. So we're very proud of our user experience. And for those that aren't on a TMS that we're not integrated with, we do have a full, very robust experience. But for us, it's really about keeping the users in the systems that they work in every day Mm -hmm. and allowing them to operate within that framework. That's awesome. I I think I'm really excited about the partnership and just about with kind of more of the robust offerings that Banyan 
though in the past LTL were really trying to expand. And I think this plus some of the other load board integrations is going to be a fantastic package to hand right now to our 3PL brokers. We'll tap on it once. I know this was all for brokers to listen to. No shippers should have gotten in here, but I know we had a lot of people asking here saying, this sounds good. I'm a shipper and I want that data. What are you guys thinking with that? Yeah. So today we do not offer our solution to shippers. And and look, we had a gentleman in the room yesterday in one of our talks here. He said, look, I'm a shipper. I get it. I know I pay a premium on my freight when I give it to a broker and I'm willing to pay for that, but I would love to have this. Look, our commitment to our broker customers is we're not going to give the shippers the same tool that we give you because that in a way is exposing your... It's their data. Your differentiation, your secret sauce. We are working on a shipper solution, as I keep saying. We won't hold you to a timeline. Don't worry. I'm going to be a little bit cagey, but I'm hoping, (laughs) fingers crossed, that by this time next year, we should have a solution for shippers. It's going to be a little bit different. I would imagine so. It's going to be focused, you know, today our solution is focused on optimizing that uh, broker to carrier buy rate. Right. And the shipper solution obviously would be more focused on that broker to shipper sell rate, first and foremost. But also, I think for our solution to be meaningful for shippers, we also need to look more at long-term forecasting as well as short-term, which we do today, because so much more of the shipper's freight is moving on a contract basis. I'll give you an example. We had a conversation very early in the days of green screens with a very large retailer, orange logo home improvement store who, you know, at the time they said they moved $30 million in spot freight every year, which frankly is more than some of our brokers. I was going to say at a certain point that shouldn't be spot, right? Well, that's only let, that was less than 5% of their total freight spend. Oh, so maybe that, okay. Yeah. So that was just the stuff that was hitting the spot market. You know, they had a whole lot, you know, 95% of their freight was moving on contracts. Right. And at the time, the conversation was like, we love what you're doing for spot, but it's such a small percentage of our spend that, you know, maybe when you guys have something for longer term, we would be willing to have more conversations. small customers like that, you know, when that's small, right? Yeah, (laughs) right, right. Exactly. Exactly. So I might afford a really nice toupee, you know? But, but that's, I think for us, that's key is, is having both the long and the short term predictions. And as I said earlier, R and D, right? The R part of R and D with data science and machine learning often takes a lot longer than the D part. It's a real Um, big capital R. It is a really big capital R and we've been working on this and we're getting close, right? We've had some early prototypes that we've seen and we're hoping that, you know, by this time next year, we will have a solution in the market. Again, great answer. And no, we won't show this, you know, a year from now and be like, what happened, Don? What happened? Why isn't it here? No, but you know, anyone that's listening, we we have about a 50-50 break in our users of 3PL versus shipper. So obviously they want to know what's relevant to me and when's that coming so i got a lot of information from you on here and i'd like to give my platform here anything you have to say whether that's from dawn just to the masses or as dawn ceo of green screens have access here's here's a soapbox what do you got yeah, I mean, look, it's something I touched on in my keynote today is just technology in general. And I know, you know, to not appear tone deaf, I'm going to acknowledge that the market is tough right now for a lot yeah. of companies. We know there are a lot of companies cutting costs, barely surviving in this market. It is going to get better, by the way. It's going to take a little longer than we wanted to. But more importantly, I think, you know, I cited a study this morning in my keynote by KPMG that they did this 
or they released this past year, and it was looking at the companies that came out of the Great Recession of 2009, where they had actually been able to grow their revenue and grow their business through the recession when their competitors and their peers in the market were actually losing money, some going out of business. And what they found that some of the key characteristics that all of those companies that won had in common was an adoption of technology that was going to help them. So continued investment in technology that was going to help them to be more efficient, to save money, to improve their margins or cut costs, right? Do more with less people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think more importantly, given our position is using the data to understand if your commercial strategy is in line with what the market is actually doing. And I think that is super key to what we do, what they said in their article. And I love to say it is no, don't guess, right? Don't guess if your strategy is. And it also sounds just to piggyback on that, it sounds like you really have to self-reflect to make sure that what your mission is or your view now from three years ago when you first put it together is still accurate right now. Yeah. And I think the natural thing that a lot of people want to do when times get tough is how can I diversify? How can I broaden my market reach? And what we have found in our business and what's always... successful is double down and focus on what you do extraordinarily well and differentiate yourself through service, through relationships, through things like that, and let the technology help you, you know, figure out the rest of it. Dawn, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate learning everything from green screens, especially the CEO. And like she said, find what you do well and really make sure you keep doing that great. And for everything, looking at the price with the AI and the truckload, I mean, green screens and Banyan is a great partnership. And Thank you very much for the time Thank today. You. Thanks for being here and talking of for course. our conference. And to anyone listening, thanks for tuning in to another Tire Tracks podcast. And uh, we'll see you with the next episode. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Tire Tracks. Watch for new episodes dropping monthly and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast apps. For more information about Banyan Technology, visit banyantechnology.com.